Hello and welcome to CISO Tradecraft, the podcast that provides you with the information, knowledge, and wisdom to be a more effective cybersecurity leader. My name is G. Mark Hardy, and today I'm going to talk about a tale of three cons. Coming to you live, of course, is recorded now, from Las Vegas, Nevada, I'm out here for what is affectionately called Hacker Summer Camp. It's a trifecta of security conferences that have been going on for some time. The first one was B-Sides Las Vegas in its 13th year, Black Hat Briefings in its 25th year, and DEF CON, believe it or not, in its 30th year. So if you haven't been to these conferences, or maybe you haven't been in a little while because of lockdown, listen in. I'll give you a little bit of feel for the differences between them, what you might be able to obtain from them if you attend or even uh, listen online, and pretty much help you find other sources of information for you in your CISO journey. As always, please follow us. And if you can connect to us on LinkedIn, we'd be pleased to go ahead and share insights with you during the week. Well, let's start out with B-Sides. Probably heard of B-Sides and where does the name come from? Well, back in 09, a number of presentations were submitted for Black Hat that got rejected. And I think I had one in there too. Nonetheless, I just like, yeah, okay, fine. I didn't get in. But uh, three other people decided to say, hey, we're going to do something about it. So uh, Jack Daniel, Chris Nickerson, and Mike Don said, hey, let's just go ahead and get everybody who didn't present a chance to present. And like the old 45 records that had an A side, which is the song you wanted, and the flip side was a B side that, well, you had to put something on the back. And usually the B side was kind of meh, some music that you wouldn't listen to anyway, other than the fact that, well, you've already paid for it. Uh, but this idea was is every now and then you get lucky and the B-side's pretty cool. And so then B-side started out as pretty much, hey, let's give this a try and see how it works. But what I really love about the fact that they've gone with the B-sides is it didn't just come out like a one and done or like a lot of other events that have pretty much recur once a year in a city or maybe they branch out to another. But what they built is an entire wiki for B-sides. What that means is that the security B-sides, if you go to securitybsides.org, you can essentially roll your own. There's a template for it. Lessons learned as people figured out, here's how to deal with hotels. Here's how to go ahead and get speakers. Here's how to handle all of the logistics and things such as that. And they've done a phenomenally good job of being able to provide everything in one place so you could do it yourself, if you will. How many times has that happened? Over 750 B-Sides events have taken place worldwide in 56 different countries and nearly 200 cities. And so looking around for B-Sides for those who are on a budget, can't travel, don't want to travel, or just looking for something that is going to be able to provide a local resource is a really great thing to look at. In addition, here's something that you might find is valuable for B-Sides. When I first went to work for Booz Allen when I left active duty from the Navy. I had one of the ladies there, Lorena, came to me and said, G Mark, word of advice, speak every chance you get. That seemed like kind of, okay, well, it's not bad advice. It's not difficult advice, but I'd never spoken before. So I applied for a few conferences and things and of course got rejected because I was new and I didn't know what I was doing. But eventually I got accepted. And as I think you might have heard from a prior episode, my first talk was on the same agenda as Admiral Grace Hopper. Now, obviously, I didn't get the same stature as she did. She was a keynote speaker and I was just one of the regular ones. But it made me realize that effective communication 
and sharing your ideas as a great way to help out with your career at the same time helping people with others. So B-sides can always use speakers and the bigger B-sides have become incredibly competitive. And uh, B-sides just before the pandemic in Las Vegas, I think it got at least as many speakers, if not more, I'm trying to remember because I was talking to Jack a couple of years ago, than Black Hat itself. So as a result, these B-sides events are things to take a look at. And the topics are not going to be restricted to, if you will, low-level, meh, who cares, and things such as that. A lot of them will have interactive. We had an Ask the Fed Q&A with an FBI agent. Ask the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is a nonprofit that has provided an awful lot of interaction with the hacker community over the last several years, and a lot of people like to support EFF, as well as ideas that help you get started, how to begin figuring out something, more advanced opportunities when you're dealing with other things like CICD pipelines and the like, uh, dealing with people like biases and things such as that that you might encounter in the workplace, how to go ahead and build a good team. And of course, always the fun stuff, the cracking the passwords and uh, how to go ahead and find vulnerabilities, weaknesses, etc. So basically, if you think about it, the B-Sides represents a replicable model, which has been reasonably perfected over the years, that allows your team or you yourself, should you desire to go with your team, to attend usually a one or two day event. It's fairly straightforward. It doesn't have a lot of tracks. It'll have a couple tracks, sometimes only one track. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with tracks, it just means simultaneous presentations. And at that particular time, you say, hey, this is pretty good. And you get to meet new people. I've, I've spoken at B-Sides in Tampa, San Francisco, probably I don't know, four or five other ones as well. And that's sort of a little pro bono that I do. I like to give back to the community and go ahead and share ideas. So that was the first two days of Hacker Summer Camp out here. And it was over at the Tuscany Hotel, by the way, which is actually not so bad. I'm, I'm here right now. I'm getting ready to record my episode and head to the airport and go home. Uh, but I think, uh, I don't know, it looks like the Cirque du Soleil gymnastics team is staying in the room above me and they don't sleep. Boy, are this thing a little bit creaky and crunchy. So think about that. If you come here, nice hotel, restaurants are great, uh, but get on the top floor. Well, after B-Sides comes Black Hat. In fact, there's an overlap there with the Black Hat briefings. Now, a little bit of background on the Black Hat briefings. The very first Black Hat was in 1998. And I remember going to that because I worked with Jeff Moss back in the 90s at Secure Computing. And kind of the thought was, hey, the suits, i.e. business people, will pay real money to hear the same thing we're talking about at DEF CON. Now, back then, DEF CON was Forty dollars. I'll talk more about later about what it costs today. It was thirty-five if you mailed a check in advance. And so, anyway, the idea was: Hey, let's take some of these ideas, put them over across the street, do it at Caesars. You get thousand dollars to get in, and I don't know if you get eighty or ninety or hundred people, you break even. Hey, that's pretty cool. Well, as it turned out, had almost three hundred people that first year, and Jeff was like, "Whoa, wow, this is great! He's onto something." And he really was. I mean, Jeff's been a visionary in terms of organizing and coming up with ideas uh, to get people to do stuff. And so Black Hat 1 then said, well, there's got to be a Black Hat 2. I think we did that at the Venetian. And kind of reminiscent of this week, we had the 100-year reigns that particular time. 
where there was a couple feet of water going down Las Vegas Boulevard. And uh, it's quite interesting. So there's always something that happens during Black Hat, it seems, the timing with regard to bizarre weather. And fast forward to 2022. And again, a giant rainstorm putting huge streams of water. You can check the news. And as Jeff said, you can describe it any way you like in any biblical proportion. But yep, we had something interesting. But back to the content of Black Hat. So originally, the genesis of Black Hat was to take the hacker conferences, clean them up a little bit, and put them on for the business community. But it has extended beyond that point. And over the years, Jeff had grown Black Hat to eventually was sold to a professional conference organization. And now it's it's huge. It's totally huge. The idea with Black Hat then is it's become kind of like RSA, one of these must-attend events. Now, I go to RSA, and I think the last one I went to, I was speaking at, and I figured, you know, it's you're, you're like on a college campus. There's so many things going on. You can't take all the courses at once. You have to pick and choose. And also, like Black Hat, a huge number of vendors. The showcase there at Black Hat is huge. And what you find out is a tremendous number of vendors. They call it the business hall. But you can walk up and down and spend hours looking at existing vendors with their $100,000 booths. And I think that's just a setup fee plus whatever else is in there to the innovation center. We have new companies coming up with really cool ideas, but they're in a 10 by 10. And back earlier in my career, I'd work with startups and we'd get a 10 by 10. And I don't know what the rules are here in Vegas, but I know where we did. They said, you got 30 minutes to set up. And if you're not completely done, then you have to pay for the union guys to finish the work. So there's interesting dynamics there and these huge rigs there. You look at this fantastic amount of money that was spent by these companies to create this presence here at Black Hat. Well, why, why go through all that effort? Because today, Black Hat has well over a dozen different tracks Uh, AI, machine learning and data science, uh, application security, cloud and platform security. And yeah, I am reading from the website. Community and career, cryptography, cyber physical systems, data forensics and incident response, defense, enterprise security, exploit development, embedded hardware, human factors, lessons learned, malware, mobile network security, policy, privacy, and well, reverse engineering. All of those represent tracks that are going to go on for a couple of days and You can run around the entire Mandalay Bay Center going from track to track to track or just get comfortable and sit down. But there's 30-minute briefings, 40-minute briefings, and 60-minute briefings. Now, the price on Black Hat has gone up a little bit over the years, if you're concerned. Look it up on the website. I'm not going to worry about numbers on the show. But a lot of people think it's worthwhile. I find it very, very valuable because of the business contacts you make, number one. And then also the opportunity to get down there in the business hall to take a look at what's coming up next. What are these companies doing? What are the vendors making available? Now, I'm pretty good about not bringing home a bag or a box or a suitcase full of tchotchkes anymore. I I did take one t-shirt, but it's from a vendor I use and I like them. I'm not going to show for anybody on the show, but essentially... There's a great opportunity, but you got to be careful when you do these vendor showcases. And the reason is that you want to ensure that you are buying something and not being sold something. Now, nobody's walking around on the floor with a checkbook, at least not that I could tell. And one of the things that I love about CISO Tradecraft is I kind of like to tell people, yeah, our listeners have checkbooks. You're a leader. You're aspiring to be a leader. 
you have influence in your organization and you have to make prudent investment decisions to ensure that your organization takes their scarce resources and puts them in the right place. And so as a result, familiarizing yourself with what's out there and what types of products and what are the buzzwords out there? I mean, we've seen, I saw a lot for IOT, the internet of things and API security. I've thought that's interesting, but we're finding more and more that that tends to be the weak back door for a lot of things coming into the application programming interface. Zero trust was big. A lot of companies pushing for zero trust. And you can extend that a little bit. Look at the zero trust model. Some of the things such as a software bill of materials that came out in the May 2021 White House announcement and things such as that. XDR and MDR as extensions from the original endpoint detection response, they've extended and then managed detection response, and there's going to be some other detection or response next year. But it's a good feel for, A, what companies are spending their time working on. And presumably, there's some sort of collective wisdom that says the managements of these organizations are not going to waste their resources building things that people don't want or need. And therefore, if you see something that's on the show floor, and it's fairly large, there's a lot of people standing around and you have no idea what it is, you might want to spend a little bit of time looking at it. Now you can find and say, yeah, I don't need a CICD pipeline because we don't do any development. Okay, fine. Move along. But you can use these events to help fill in your knowledge gaps at an initial seeding level, that is to say, you're not going to sit around and they'll teach you a little five-minute class, 10-minute class, then you win a t-shirt or a shot glass or something else like that, or get into a, uh, enter into a contest. If you have an existing relationship with a vendor, a lot of times they'll want to take you out to dinner. And in Las Vegas, you can get some nice dinners. As a result, for some people, this is kind of the wine and dine time. It's, it's payback. Now, if you're a government official, we understand that there's certain rules and regulations you need to follow. And though, even though these things are offered to all their particular customers equally, you might want to check with your ethics department if you're uh, working in the .gov or .mil world. I know that when I was there for years, I wouldn't take anything. I'll, I'll buy my own lunch. Thank you very much. I'll sit down with you and talk with you at lunch, but I'll pick up my own check. And by keeping an absolutely clean line there, no one can ever say you're unduly or improperly influenced. Now, in the business world, it's a little bit different. You can get tchotchkes. You can take them taken out to dinner. They can do other things, too. But in any case, Black Ad then represents an opportunity for networking, for gaining knowledge about products and services that are emerging. The innovation side is really, really neat. And in fact, uh, Roselle Safran, who's one of her prior guests, was there with Key Caliber, and she was one of the four finalists for sort of like that cool innovation from the, all those groups down there. So congratulations, Roselle, on your achievement on that. But then also with the briefings themselves. And you sit in on the briefings, and it's gotten, in my opinion, kind of harder and harder to get into Black Hats because a lot of it is just getting more and more, well, technical. And if you take a look at it, if you want to go talk about something moderately interesting introduction to something, et cetera. Yeah, you're probably not going to make it a black hat, but there's some cool stuff like the Industroyer 2 on Sandworm cyber warfare targets against Ukrainian power grid again, or memory forensics, or kind of a deep dive breaking firmware and things such as that. And when you get in to all these different tracks and you sit around, you find out there's some spectacularly brilliant research being done by a lot of people. And of course, it's so tough for the committee who has to review all these submissions to winnow them down to something that says, well, we can only select those presentations that will fit. Now, one other thing 
It's an aspect of Black Hat it's good to know about, is the Black Hat trainings. Now, the Black Hat trainings will be a two-day or a four-day, usually occur before uh, Black Hat, where you can get some very specific in-depth training. And this is where you get some serious knowledge transfer. Two-day trainings run about $4,000. So it's it's not cheap. Plus, you got to get to Vegas and you got to get a hotel and then pay for meals and things like that. So if you're sending someone to one of the uh, trainings, it's probably going to be, including their time, six $7,000 investment. As long as you're there, they're going to go to Black Hat. Now you're up about ten grand. So that's, that's some serious cash. Why would you send your people for $10,000 to Vegas to party? Because they're going to go ahead and get some very, very specific knowledge from some phenomenal instructors. I have some friends who have been teaching at Black Hat for a number of years. And I got to tell you, they're some of the best of the best. And I'm, it's, again, I'm not pitching for anybody or shilling for anybody, but the standard of excellence is quite high. And so that represents an excellent investment. There are some four-day trainings that run about 5,500 plus or minus. There's even one that was over $8,000 and it was full. So Black Hat training then represents a once a year, at least Black Hat USA. There's also stuff over in Asia and Europe, although I'm just going to focus on this conference from this week, uh, that allows your people to go ahead and gain some spectacular in-depth knowledge on an important topic. All right. So we've covered the first two, and the third one, kind of the big anchor for all of this, is DEF CON. Now, if you've never been to DEF CON, it's, it's an experience. And this is the 30th year of DEF CON. Pretty amazing. It started in 1993 when the dark tangent, Jeff Moss, who had run a bulletin board system, said, hey, you know, we're moving off of BBSs, and therefore, let's get one party. We'll get everybody together, and we'll go someplace cheap like Vegas, and it's even cheaper in the summer, so we'll go in August when it's ridiculously hot. And a bunch of his buddies got together, about 100 or so, and had DEF CON. And it was a pretty cool conference, basically a big party, but talking things like that. And at the end, someone came up to Jeff and he said, hey, so what are we doing for next year? Are we doing DEF CON too? And it really wasn't thinking about at the time, making this thing a long range project. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. And then it was DEF CON 2 and 3. My first was DEF CON 4 back in 96. And it was interesting. It was the first hotel that was not torn down shortly thereafter because the first three hotels all went to the wrecking ball after DEF CON had left. Not to say there's a cause and effect there, but the early DEF CONs, the thought among a lot of the attendees was, hey, this is where you come to, to party with your buddies and trade zero days. Well, DEF CON has grown and emerged over the years. It's gained a number of uh, a lot of respectability with respect to the people who come here. Uh, General Keith Alexander, who at the time was a director of NSA, was a keynoter a number of years back. Uh, this time, Chris Inglis, the national cyber director, and Jen Easterly, the director for the CISA, both had sessions and great, you know, sit down interviews with Jeff, as well as a lot of other activities. Now, at DEF CON, I've spoken there a number of times. I ran an event for a number of years. Uh, for those who know me, Hacker Jeopardy, which have now turned over to a, a younger host because, well, you, know, you can't just hold on to things forever. But this year, a lot going on. It's it's an event. As I say, it's, it's kind of like being back in high school again, where you're running through the hallways, going from class to class to class, catching up with your buddies. You want to sit down in the cafeteria. There's music and parties at night. It's exhausting. It's unfortunate you need to get some sleep. But DEF CON, they got a 3-2-1 rule. Every 24 hours, you get three hours of sleep, eat two meals, and please take one shower. Those are basically minimums, but it just goes on and on. Now, before the lockdown, DEF CON got up 
high 26, 27, 20,000. I don't know the exact number, but uh, at closing ceremonies, Jeff had announced that they distributed about 15,000 badges. So it's still down, but attendees from the Far East, China in particular, weren't allowed to come because of travel restrictions. So we expect things to get a little bit bigger. So what's at DEF CON? DEF CON has a lot of talks, a lot of events and things like that. Big things are stuff like contests where 13, 40 different contests were held and people can go ahead. And if you're really good, you can win lifetime admission back to DEF CON. And the big one is the capture the flag contest. The capture the flag is an all round, all day, all night, pitting teams literally from around the world, trying to go ahead and compete in the cyber competition. And it's kind of interesting because by recording all those packets and then replaying them later, looking back, it says, whoa, that's new. Ooh, that's a zero day. And uh, so there's, you know, depending on what people use, you can gain a little bit of information on that. Other things like the villages, the one that started out in 2017 that probably has the most interesting reputation is the voting village. And what had happened is back then is some people who worked during the year is saying, okay, I'm a election supervisor or I volunteer and things such as that, said, hey, bring your machines to DEF CON. And then when we're done, we'll you know, send them back. Because quite honestly, none of the manufacturers wanted to submit their devices to DEF CON to say, yeah, go ahead and hack our stuff and give us really bad publicity. That wouldn't be too good, would it? And so as a result, it was brought in by people who are the users, not the manufacturers. Well, I remember, I think it was the first year, one of the devices was set up for an election where you had three candidates and the goal was, hey, can you maybe manipulate the numbers? And uh, a young lady, I think she was 14 years old at the time, figured out a way to uh, make Jeff Moss win the election as a write-in candidate. So the next year she got to keynote the place at the age of, ripe old age of 15. But it's kind of interesting because when you look at it, for some people would say, ah, oh, these hackers are doing evil and bad things. But the other approach is this, to say, hey, you're told to trust these devices by different manufacturers. We're going to demonstrate that that trust may be misplaced. And it's not so much we're going to go ahead and fix an election or change things. But it really goes along the line of responsible disclosure. The concept of responsible disclosure, which has been around for a long time, in fact, dated back to around the year 2000. So quick side story. Uh, in 2000, I was working for a little startup called Garden, and we wanted to come up with a vulnerability summit. And it was sponsored by E-Week, or I forget what the magazine was. We went out to California and we had a big summit, about 23 people. And I sent a bunch of invitations and we brought in manufacturers of operating systems, like Microsoft was there, uh, Steve Lipner was there, and also educational institutions and also hackers, people who would go ahead and maybe discover some of these vulnerabilities. And the goal was to come up with some sort of a standard of what is a responsible disclosure. When you find a vulnerability, you used to be, if you call up the manufacturer, they're like, we're calling the cops. And they did. And you're like, wait a minute, but I'm a security researcher. I'm legit. I'm not organized crime. And if I were, I wouldn't be telling you that there's a problem with your stuff. And so as a result of this, we sort of hammered out a concept and a timeline and things. But you know, I have an interesting sense of humor. So I remember when I did the seating around the room next to Steve Lipner, uh, put a young man there next to him who was one of the hackers. And uh, back then, one of the big security vulnerabilities that was discovered and exploited was a directory traversal vulnerability in IIS. And basically, if you were to go to 
dot is your current directory in Windows, right? But what's dot dot? It's parent directory. Well, it turned out that you could go to a website slash dot dot slash dot 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 and pop all the way up to the root directory, then go sideways and come down and off you go. Well, the guy who discovered that went by the handle Rainforest Puppy. So next to Steve Lipner, after he introduced, hello, I am Stephen Lipner from Microsoft. The next guy says, hi, I'm Rainforest Puppy. And the look on Steve's face was priceless. I'm thinking like a Homer Simpson moment where he reaches over to Bart like, yo, rah, 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 rah. And as I recall, the only thing that Steve could say is like, well, why do you call yourself Rainforest Puppy? And he looked at him and he said, what judge would ever put a Rainforest Puppy in jail? So in any case, I think after that, he came up with something like an RF, RF policy or something where he had said, hey, this is some idea we should follow for responsible disclosure. And that's matured over the years to the point where security researchers or independent folks who identify a bug are encouraged to go ahead and share it with the vendor or the manufacturer. The vendors and manufacturers are encouraged to offer bug bounties because, well, let's face it, governments and organized crime and other nefarious entities are willing to provide probably even more money. But for those who want to be legit about it, they should have some sort of a recognition and reward and not be you know, hounded by law enforcement saying, hey, you were evil. Uh, you were smarter than the people who created this product and you, were, you dared to tell them about it. And so responsible disclosure, one of the interesting things that came back way back a few years when, when Dan Kaminsky was with us at Black Hat is he kind of did this big expose where he had found significant vulnerability in DNS. And basically DNS, as you probably heard from prior episodes, if you didn't know it already, that's sort of the why the internet works. This uh, series of pipes that moves cat videos is really based on DNS being able to equate a web name or a uh, domain name with an IP address, which is all you can really plug into layer three anyway. You can't put G-O-O-G-L-E into that field. In any case, Dan had found out a, way, a weakness that basically said, yeah, we can break the internet. And Dan, being a respected security researcher, everybody wanted to hear his talk. Of course, the media is there. Everybody. And so here's this big expose. And he said, oh, yeah, but by the way, we fixed this. About a few months ago, I contacted quietly Microsoft, Apple, Cisco, all the other major vendors. And all those went into updates. And so this really cool thing where you could run out the room today and break the Internet won't work anymore. Well, that gained a lot of respect for the security research community. And, and thank you, Dan. We lost Dan last year. But what it also did is it shows that in our community, in the cybersecurity community, or we call it a hacker community, for those who aren't part of the hacker community, it's not a bunch of evil miscreants or, or misfits living in mom's basement, drinking Mountain Dew and trying to steal Wi-Fi from their neighbors. Yeah, people do that, but that's not, that's not the bulk of it. But the, the DEF CON that we have today represents a much larger assortment of people, four, four tracks that are constantly going on during it. I mean, the opening track, opening presentation track four, which I sat in, was on computer hacks in the Russia-Ukraine war. And the information that comes out at DEF CON is very, very useful. And, and you can also go to the vendor area. The vendor area is much more modest. And it's usually around, well, hacking gear. You can get device from Hack5, Wi-Fi, Pineapple. I guess they're up to Mark 7 now. And other entities there that are providing some useful merchandise. Plus, probably the best-selling thing is T-shirts. Lots and lots of hacker T-shirts. I could probably outfit a small village in hacker T-shirts at this point in my career. But nonetheless, DEF CON represents, if you will, kind of a combination of the social 
as well as the original technical area. There's some great talks that I sat in and I found it really, really valuable. Plus a lot of fun, the parties, the contests, the events, uh, the activities. And last night, Sunday night, they had sort of a all party at 1030. First time they did a post-DEFCON party. We always had one for the staff. We get together and we do something at some undisclosed location so nobody else crashed on it, but we'd always get together. But this was for everybody back in the venue. And so next year, it's going to be at the same thing at Caesars Forum and the Link and uh, Flamingo had to spread out over three properties. But it worked really well this year. So what do you get from all these little stories and things such as that is my uh, book report from Hacker Summer Camp. What I wanted to help understand is that if you haven't been to these events, have not been to a B-Sides, consider doing so. Some of them charge no admission because they're able to go ahead and get corporate sponsors. I know that the, the B-Sides in Tampa, close to where I live, I've gone to most of those. And you get in there, maybe there's a small charge to cover stuff. Uh, this year, B-Sides Las Vegas was a $100 bill, but still quite modest for what you get. So B-Sides, a replicable security conference model that has been done hundreds of times around the world and often can be found very close to where you are. And they're looking for speakers usually. All the time, if you're good, try it. And just like I was given the advice many years ago, speak every chance you get. Black Hat sort of emerged as kind of the granddaddy. It's the counterweight in the summer to RSA, which is typically in the winter in San Francisco. And because of its size and the depth of content and the huge, huge vendor showcase, it's sort of become a must-do event. And you gotta be careful with something like that. When you get to an event, where there is so many competing activities, where there's 18 tracks instead of two or four. I really recommend you sit down before you get on the plane and map out where you want to go. Because otherwise, you're like a kid in a candy store and you wander all over the place and, oh man, I could have done, I wish missed that. And you talk to someone in the hallway, you don't do it. For DEF CON, they have something called a hacker tracker. It's an app you can download. Ah, who's going to download an app from a hacker conference? It's legit. I mean, I thought it was wonderful because I go down through, I could look at all the talks. I said, I like that one, I like that one. I click a little star, star, star. And then what it did is it would send me alerts on my cell phone saying, hey, the talk you're interested in is starting in 15 minutes in track four. That was incredibly valuable. And so that's something that's useful. So Black Hat, technical content, two and four day, no kidding, serious courses, no kidding on price, but also no kidding on content, huge vendor showcase, and this is where you make your professional contacts. This is where you, you know, bring your business cards to do your LinkedIn and connections. And then the anchor, by that being kind of the last of the three in terms of timing, but the oldest of them is DEF CON. Start out as a party. It's now almost an institution. Um, we had a little recognition at the final ceremonies. Uh, Jeff was trying to figure out people who had been around since DEF CON 1. And it's just a handful of them. Eli is a buddy of mine. In fact, we run did a Hacker Jeopardy team together back in 1997. It's still here and a couple other friends that I've been with. And, and so that's an opportunity to kind of unwind. And the timing of Black Hat I thought was brilliant because, hey, you go to Hacker Conference for, at the time, 40 bucks. And then when you get a real job, your business says, hey, we'll pay for one security conference a year. Well, where are you going to go? You're going to go to Black Hat so you can spend the weekend on your own nickel partying with your buddies. So it was a nice feedback loop and very, very brilliant and uh, on just part and he's created just some huge huge value in doing that so that's my book report from hacker summer camp from 2022 and if you went if you have other experiences if things you want to share let me know go ahead and uh, message us on linkedin or you know send me a message uh, gmark at 
CISOTradeCraft.com and uh, share your insights with others. Let people know how you've achieved knowledge and success out there by conference attendees and other types of resources that are made available to you. So this is Gene Marcardi, your host for CISO Tradecraft. I want to thank you for spending the last half hour with me, and I wish you the best of success in your life and your career. Please tune in, follow us, subscribe to us, share where you get your information with your friends. Until the next time, stay safe.